0: Good afternoon and we're off you love saying
1: I have to now until we get Emily to come in and do our intro I'm gonna be our intro and we're off
0: yeah we could try to sing something
1: ooh you are kind of our songbird
0: I could play the guitar I that's right sing. that's right you have that rich like sonorous voice I
1: always want to be the guy from boys to men the deep like yeah. bass guy yeah totally It's like my only hope. Totally. So, entering Holy Week,
0: almost-ish. Ish. 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 It's kind of a fun time. Why does life go so fast? I know. I know it's axiomatic, and it's one of those weird phrases that's overused, but I'm just like, my life just flies by.
1: Oh, yeah. I just can't keep up. way too fast, and I anticipate all sorts of things. Thus far, I mean, St. Paddy's Day, the Feast of St. Joseph, which best day ever.
0: Yeah. Your birthday. That's right. The real feast day. (laughs) That's right. The real feast day is not St. Joseph. It's, it's our second Patrick. That's right. And,
1: uh, and landed on a Friday, which therefore I believe means I get to eat meat.
0: Yeah. Because it's a solemnity (laughs) that really bugs people, you know, like Morgan on our staff, Morgan's like, I can't eat meat. And I'm like, feasting is part of the Christian life. Now, if you like, so on feast days, you can You can give up what you're fasting from unless it's like a sin, right? You know, if you're like father, (laughs) father, Mike had a friend one time who approached him and was like, he's like, you're gonna be really proud of me. He's like, I I gave up like some really sinful things. I'm not going to even say it on the podcast. (laughs) And, and Mike's like, I, that's, that's really good. You know, but you can't go back to that on a feast day. Kid. Like if you give up, if you give up smoking like cocaine,
1: Yeah. do you smoke cocaine? Uh, No. I don't think started, so. it, Yeah.
0: Let's just say doing cocaine. That's right. If you give up cocaine for Lent, you don't get to go back to it on St. Joseph's feast day. <laughs> or on
1: Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my off day.
0: Yeah. Hey, one thing I've got for you before we jump in today. So I just got back from the seminary. Uh, Father John Neppel graciously invited me to teach a class on justification. Nice. Which is a complex topic. <clears throat> we just really scraped the surface. But I sent the seminary some reading ahead of time. And I asked him, I was like, what do you guys think of the reading? And I thought of you, because one of the guys looked at me, this guy, Tyler, he's a great guy, he'll be a great priest, and he looked at me and he goes, it was way over my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Classic Father Brian of like the book wrecks of, uh, it's definitely not an entry-level scenario. Good for him.
0: Yeah, but these guys, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I was like, come on, it's not that hard. And you're in seminary, like you got to know this stuff, but...
1: Ugh. I would say, send it to me, but probably
0: In, not. a book on justification. It's quite good Ooh, yeah, sounds it's, intense. It's, I mean it's not it's not easy as I was saying, but but we're going to talk about a topic related to justification that's right uh,
1: i I kind of want to pick your brain uh,
0: you always want to pick
1: my I know well, that's kind of why we started the podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but especially entering the church it's such a whirlwind and that being just a few years ago. And then it kind of is like, you're, you're so on fire and you're looking forward to the, you know, every weekend is something new and you're kind of like looking forward to the big pinnacle of being confirmed in and receiving the Eucharist to now, like in a, in a, being in a position of like, okay, wait a second, let's break this down. Like what is actually happening? Right. So I, I would love to dive in with you trying to look at as we lead into Easter, And, you know, even looking at like the stations of the cross, like the whole thing and how this kind of plays out over the next couple of weeks, um, trying to just kind of wrap my head around that timeline and why things happen. What did Jesus really need to die on the cross? Any of that kind of stuff that like just to kind of slow things down to really understand it, because I think one of the biggest things, as we always kind of mention. Stepping into church every single Sunday and looking at the cross and being like, act, like putting yourself in a position of you are at the foot of the cross and, and what that does for you in your mental headspace while you're in church during mass. Yeah. I feel like trying to achieve that same kind of thing as you enter towards Easter, other than just like, Oh, we go to church yep. on Sunday and then we go to brunch and it's a good day with the family and we all wear pink, that type of thing leading into it. We that was totally pink. my Easter growing up. Um, but to really kind of, help get your head and your heart into the right place as you start to approach it. Because just like anything that you've taught me thus far, I'm sure that lead up is way more deep than just a Palm Sunday service or, you know, whatever it is, but like what kind of help me understand that break it down. I think part
0: of it, like, so we hope you're getting ready for um, the moment of your redemption. Honestly, I, I mean, good Friday and Easter Sunday and, uh, it is an intense period, right? It's like, um, it's funny, people always think for me that it's a really busy week. It's not so much of a busy week during Holy Week for me as it is, there's a lot of pressure of like preparing homilies and the liturgies. There's a lot of work in that. But it's just the intensity of what's actually going on. You know, it's not the volume, it's the intensity. Right. Um, So we hope everybody out there, we hope you're preparing for that. It's a massively important moment. And I think one of the things we want to talk about today is, what's going on on the cross? Yeah. What's, and we all kind of know that somehow this is a sign of God's love and sacrifice can kind of take on that language of love, but what's going on? Why did, why didn't Jesus express this in another way, right? There's lots of ways to express love for another person. Um, and you know, the, the week during Holy week is a time when we as Catholics, like really are called to enter into this in a way that, um, is unique throughout the year. Um, so we're excited to talk about that. Uh, do you? Get, when you were at Flatiron, not Flatirons Flat Red Rocks, Red Rocks. What do they do during like Good Friday? Do they? Does everybody go to church on Good Friday, or is it like no?
1: No, I think it's just Easter service. Mm. It's, I mean, they've got they've got the coffee laid out, they've got all the cookies, they've got you know, it's a full production and it's it's amazing, it's super inspiring, but. I don't don't recall a lot of lead-up beyond just the Sunday service.
0: So do they, the Sunday before, like on Palm Sunday for us, do they do, like, stuff about the cross? or I don't believe so, and I I was
1: trying to think about that today. I think, from what I remember, there's always, like, and it's just kind of unique, like, when going through that, it was kind of like you had mini-series throughout the year, and so, like, you would have... um, a series on joy and it would be like a four week series where they're going to use, you know, the Bible to incorporate like the story of joy in the Bible or whatever it might be. And I forget what it was. I, I they have it all posted. I forget what it is leading into Easter, but I would imagine, and this is off the so I'm sure I could get correct on that, but, um, you kind of have like this series leading up to call it sacrifice. Like the the head pastor would pick a topic and kind of lead into that. That's leading to his kind of homily, lack of a better word of
0: the sermon sermon,
1: um, on Sunday, Easter Sunday. But I don't, I don't recall any like dedication to Palm Sunday any, any of those uh, special services at all.
0: Yeah. Well, so one of the things I'd love to get into today. So if you're a Catholic out there, uh, and if you're not, we hope you will become one.
1: Yep.
0: Is that the the church believes that something mystical happens in the Christian life, and so I think one of the temptations in the modern world is we can be Christians and Jesus died for us two thousand years ago, and we know that He loves us, and now we're just kind of waiting around to die and hopefully go to heaven. Yep. Um, Catholics don't see it that way, and I think one of the reasons, maybe, and not I'm not trying to pick on uh, Red Rocks or any of those churches. Uh, But maybe one of the reasons it might be a little different is I don't think they have a concept of this kind of mystical reliving of the life of Christ. And one of the things the church teaches us as Catholics is that Christ lives inside of us in in a mystical way, sacramentally, mystically. And so when we go close to Holy Week uh, and we enter into the mass really every Sunday, but in a special way this week, what happens is that we actually, the, the cross for us and Jesus's saving death, the uh, Last Supper, the crucifixion, the resurrection, uh, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost 50 days later, that these things are not just, just historical events. They are historical events, but they're also things that are relived in the church. And so when we go to, to liturgy, to the worship of God, we participate in these things. Um, and so we hope this week, you know, I think that's what the church wants to do for you. It's not just like, got to go to the grocery store this week. I've got eight things to get at Costco. Um, you know, little Jimmy puked. <laughs> got to pick that
1: up. <laughs> got to get the eggs to paint them. And,
0: and, oh, yeah, and we have to go to church one more time than normal this week or two. That's
1: tomorrow. right. That's right.
0: It's not that. It's meant to be like, this is a different week. This is a week where the mystery of Christian salvation is relived in us. So, But I, I also feel
1: like, okay, so as you're saying that, too, I feel like the big motivating factor of Easter, which is totally the story. But from the kind of Protestant perspective, it's like you show up, it's this big celebration because again, welcome home. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross. Like your sins have been forgiven. Like right. welcome. And it's like that big celebration more. So it's like that hand motion. Welcome. welcome. Yeah,
0: totally. I just I start doing that in my service. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bam um like you kind of get what i'm saying though like you show up and it's like this is why we're here jesus died for us like and you have that but there is a total shift in going to catholic matt like the lead up to what you're saying as opposed to just that one day where it's like oh then you're super yeah. motivated and excited to go to brunch because it's like yeah like you feel the love of god that day but that's the big buildup. And, and what you're looking for out of that service, out mm-hmm. of Red Rocks or whatever, Flatiron, any of those type of just big Protestant churches, um, more so than really kind of settling in and watching, like, how it all plays out and that whole lead up to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that's absolutely right on. And I think, I mean, I don't know my sense of it. I haven't really gone to Protestant churches, you know. Um, yeah. But my sense of things is, this is something that happened, and then we, we can really remember that well, and we can know that Jesus is in heaven now, and that He loves us, and that's exciting, that's motivating, and that's kind of it. Correct. Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? Exactly. Yeah, and I think I think for us as Catholics, that's all good. Like those are good things, but there's something more that's happening. Is that I like to talk at our CIA about the <clears throat> in the mass if you're Catholic, there's a moment where the priest elevates the chalice and the host yep. and he says through him, with him in him. Um, o God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever And that that is a powerful moment in the liturgy that shows us what the church really believes and what's happening there is through him with him and in him, we're being drawn into the moment of redemption. So it isn't just that Jesus died for me and he loves me. And that's, that in and of itself is amazing. Like that's incredible. But actually the Christian mystery, I am drawn into the sacrifice of Christ. And so Holy Week in a particular way, but every mass, there's this sense of like, it isn't just like, Hey, Jesus did this. And uh, so now don't, uh, don't commit adultery.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: And it can be reduced to that, I think. But when you really understand Catholic theology and liturgy and sacraments and all these things, what happens is my life is drawn into the life of Christ. So this isn't just something that happened in the past. It's something that is played out in my life. And so what I do at mass uh, has to be lived out in the way I live my life. Um, and mystically, mystically and sacramentally, the, the body of Christ, the church, is drawn into the one saving redemption wrought by Christ in his cross and resurrection. Um, which is like a lot to wrap your head around.
1: Totally. And so if you are like used to that background of, you know, just the service on Sunday, or even if, you know, we call, we joke and we say priesters, which I, that was totally me for sure. But if you're just showing up to Easter and you're going to your homily and, and going through the Catholic mass just on that Sunday, like what would be your advice as you start to kind of. If you want to try to reframe that for yourself and start looking forward to these certain things, like you yeah. know we're going through the scrutinies right now, and and certain things that, what would be that first step, and like what is the importance of trying to look at that as you enter into Holy Week and Palm Sunday? And-
0: yeah. Well, one of the themes I want to get to today, I think, <clears throat> that I think is helpful in this regard, yeah, is when the more we know about our faith, it will blow your mind, right. and I think. Um, So teaching about justification this morning, there's a great image N.T. Wright has. Will you
1: break that down? What do you mean when you say justification? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And so, we found a new podcast. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gregorian Rant. But, <laughs> By the way, we always forget to do this. Send us emails, rant That's right. at lordsdenver.org. That's right. Rant, R-A-N-T, at lordsdenver.org. And quick
1: shout out, before I forget, uh, Stuart, we got a f- phenomenal email from Stuart from yeah. Omaha, Nebraska, I believe. And I can't just, remember. And just thank you so much. I'll leave it there. But Stuart, you're the man. Stuart. The yeah,
0: word. I think, uh, so justification, so I just taught on this, but, um, it's a complex word and basically for the, for the, a very basic understanding it, of justification, um, justification means it's, it's kind of the answer to the question, are you saved? And how does someone, how does someone find salvation? That's how it's usually framed. It's much, much deeper than that. And that's, it's actually kind of a caricature and a, a mis- kind of understanding of it to frame it that way. But when people say that, that's what they usually mean when they talk about justification. But um, it comes from um, the Latin verb, or sorry, the Greek verb is dikaiōo. It's kind of love fun to that. say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dikaiōo. So di- dikaiosune is the noun. And dikaiosune in Greek means righteousness or justice. Same word. Okay. And so justification is where we get like like the word justice, it's how does a person become just in the eyes of God? Got it. And so it's kind of that question. And that's related to the cross, it's related to our topic today. The, um, the cross is the heart of the matter, but N.T. Wright has this great kind of, and I think if you're gonna understand Holy Week, if you're gonna understand what's going on at the cross, um, the point I wanna to get to today, so N.T. Wright has this great image, and he says, ever since the Protestant Reformation, the question that most Christians want answered is how do I get to go to heaven? And that's, that's a question of justification Yep. as most people think of it. It's actually the wrong way to think of it. But what N.T. Wright says is if you think of the question that way, <clears throat> what you're doing is it's like when we thought that the earth was the center of the universe and we thought that the sun went around the earth. And so what we do in, in the Christian life is we think, oh, I'm the center of everything. And the Christian life is about how do I get to heaven? Yep. How does God love me? How does he save me? And it's all about the self. And that's that's really comes out of the Reformation. And there's deeper roots that go back to Augustine, but that's way too much. That's when I was boring the seminary. And right. Like, they're like, this is way over my head. What the hell am I talking about?
1: Think for the book, wreck. Yeah. I
0: printed out a section of Romans 3 in Greek for them. And I think they were just, I could hear the eyes rolling. Totally. Um, no, that's not fair. They were actually very kind. But anyway, what Wright says is he says, and I think this is critical for Holy Week. Do you want to understand the cross? And I want to jump to a text from Romans here that's going to help us, I think, today. Um, but what, what Wright says <clears throat> is the sun doesn't go around the earth. The earth goes around the sun. Yeah. And so if you want to enter into the cross, you need to learn a little bit about what is Jesus doing on the cross. Right. What's going on there? And honestly, brothers and sisters, more of us need to have a real curiosity about that we need to ask hard questions of like, that's a really ugly, ugly thing there. And Jesus, right. Like not to get too graphic here, but a little bit might help. So Jesus, um, was not crucified with a loincloth. He was crucified naked. Yep. We put loincloths on our crucifixes because, you know, you don't want little Susie at mass being like, mom, what's on, what's on Jesus? Yeah. What, you know?
1: Where's his clothes?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but the Romans would have done their best to publicly humiliate and shame victims of crucifixion. Um, and it's good for us to enter into this a little bit during Holy Weekend. So think about the cross, not just as this beautiful sculpture I have in my church, but as it really was, as this horrific, ugly, shameful moment. And so Jesus would have been completely naked, naked, um, he would have crucifixion victims lose control of their bodily functions. Um, not exactly a pretty sight. Oh, right. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, <clears throat> we have ancient writers who talk about how awful crucifixion was. That um, one of the things the Romans would do is that when you are crucified, you die of asphyxiation. You know what that is?
1: Drowning in the lungs, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so so Jesus right on the cross the reason they have that little foot stool for him is it it prolongs your death so the, the, the Romans designed it so that, that it would be a very torturous torturous i don't know if i can say that word right they wanted it to be as painful and awful as possible <clears throat> and so what happens is you can keep yourself alive by pushing up on your on your feet yeah so you can breathe and also this adds weight. When Jesus speaks from the cross, he's not chit-chatting. When he says in John 19, when he says, you know, to Mary, behold your son, to St. John, behold your mother. <clears throat> when he says these things, Jesus chose intentionally to do that. He would have been in an agonizing suffering. Um, so that's happening. And then the other thing is that um, ancient authors tell us, like Tacitus tells us, that crucifixion victims would spew the most awful blasphemies. Like imagine the worst, the worst thing you've ever heard in your life, you know, like probably worse than that. Um, And so commonplace in the ancient world was the Romans when they crucified someone and the Greeks as well, is they would cut out their tongues (sighs) to silence them and to keep them from saying these horrible things. And so this is, it's good for us to think about this, that Jesus in that kind of suffering, prays for those who are killing him. Yep. He prays for the church. He speaks forgiveness over those who are killing him. Um, that's, that's some pretty amazing stuff.
1: I mean, it's it's always like a tradition now with Steph, especially we, we try to watch um, the Passion yeah. leading into Easter. And I, Sometimes I feel like it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around and not just get caught up in the moment of watching it. Yeah. But, I mean, when you say, if you're getting crucified and you say some blasphemous things, I mean, I stub my toe, right. and I pretty much want to go to confession afterwards because yeah. I am throwing out some very gnarly things. Um, but when you watch that and the whole lead-up, and it just even like the act, if you can't comprehend... I just think it's so fascinating and so sad and all the above, but can't comprehend the actual crucifixion part, but like imagine having the, the nails like yep. he is crucified with the, whatever you want to call that gigantic nail, yeah. um, through his palms, through his feet, like going through your bones. Yep. Like, I mean, literally, and not to mention everything that leads up to that and the whippings and the, Oh, it's like horrific yep. to think, but why was it important i mean i think that's always like a general question but like if he could have defeated satan however yeah why through the most torturous painful process and in the way he did it i mean i always joke but the first my first focus conference that we was a previous episode but in that was uh Scott Hahn's fourth cup talk. Right. And that was way over. I felt like the seminarians today. I was like, what in the world is <laughs> happening? But there is significance as to the last time he drinks and the whole the whole thing. Everything has meaning. Correct. Yeah. So why is it, though, that well, why so much suffering yeah. for someone that could literally squash Satan?
0: So this is a great point to bring in this text I wanted to, to use just briefly for us today. Um, so in Romans 8, which is chapter you love. That's right. Romans 8, if you're if you um, if you're someone who's kind of new to like reading scripture, you probably know Romans 8 if you've been going to church for a long time. It's a very f- uh, famous chapter in the Bible. Um, but it, we're just going to focus on one verse here in Romans 8, 3. And so uh, I love what Paul is doing here, and I think this is going to lead us to understand why is the cross something that is not just... Okay, God loves me, and now I'll get on with life, and I'll run my next errand. Right? But something much, much, much more than that. Um, so in Romans eight three, it says, "For God has done with the law." Do you know what, what law does He mean there?
1: Uh, Roman law? No. Nope. no, 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 no. So God has done. I don't know.
0: This is Jewish law.
1: Okay. So oh, Paul, that's when, okay. Yeah,
0: when Paul talks about the law,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: he doesn't mean like traffic laws or tax laws or even the 10 commandments. Usually what he really means is just the Jewish law that separated Jews from everyone else. So Got things it. like circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. Kosher law, things like that, that um, divide Jewish people and Gentiles, Gentiles, meaning just non-Jews. But anyway, so for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, or that could be translated there as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, I just want to pause here, and this this is so powerful. But what Paul is getting at here is that <clears throat> why is so much suffering? You watch The Passion of the Christ, and I, I used to watch it every year, and I got to confess, like, I, I haven't watched it every year because it's just so painful. Yeah. I mean, it is brutal. But why so much suffering? Why is all this going on? And what St. Paul wants to say to us, and this is gonna lead to our, I think a bigger topic today, is that everything that is wrong with the world, which the big problem for Christians and Jews, the answer to what's wrong with the world is sin. That was was condemned in the flesh of Christ on the cross. So hear that again. Um, God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. So, so the Jewish law couldn't really deal with what was wrong with the world. Right. Um, He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. And it's key here to see some Protestant Christians sometimes think that God condemns Jesus, the Father condemns Jesus on the cross. That's not true, He condemns sin. But what happens is that Jesus draws all the world's sin onto himself and that is condemned and crucified on the cross. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, And I think what this this leads to, and this is is something I just want to offer everybody out there today, is that one of the things that God is doing in Christ on the cross, it's not just like he's there because he loves you and he wants to save you. That is 100% true. But God's means even much bigger than that. And this is where N.T. Wright's getting to the Copernican Revolution. The earth goes around the sun, not the sun around the earth. Is that God actually, in the crucifixion, is trying to make the whole world set right. Things are supposed to be fixed. Like, the crucifixion is not just the moment that God showed he loved me. The crucifixion is the moment that God condemned the big problem with the world. And he began a new creation. Um... This is what Holy Week's about, is that God is taking his good creation uh, that has been corrupted by sin, and he's making it new. Not just you, not just me, but all things.
1: So does the church, as we enter into, you know, Holy Week, and and kind of reliving that each year, because if you don't, don't you kind of think we've got, like, gotten back to the sinful ways, like it It kind of feels like...
0: I mean, I don't know about you.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you just look around. It's like, gosh, what does the world come to? Yeah. And do you think that if we had more of a focus, and for uh, many reasons we've lost that, um, but the further away we get from that 2,000 years... we lose sight of that and therefore sin is now creeping back in. So like he defeats it, but it's only become, I mean, we're kind of back to where we're, it makes, it's like the analogy of like motivations, like taking a shower, you got to do it every day. So every year as the church enters into this and we're not picking like, Oh, this is our time where we're going to talk about joy from the Bible and these themes throughout the Bible. It is reliving that to kind of recenter yourself and try to, just notice and focus the importance of defeating that sin.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit like, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I'm like, I see the same things and I I think we all wanted this in our own lives. But, but what I would say about that, it's a little bit like, like imagine like someone who works their tail off, gets ahead in life, creates this vast amount of wealth and then leaves it to their children. I think there's, there's something of an analogy here where Jesus won the victory he merited heaven for all of humanity, um, but when he hands on that inheritance, does that mean the children aren't responsible for for using it wisely?
1: And how or often do we see that butchered?
0: <laughs> Never, right? Never happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and so, so Jesus is the one who wins the victory for us, but that doesn't absolve us of responsibility, right? And and that means, can, and so God will save us. Only with our cooperation, he is the one who does it. He is the cause of our salvation, but we have to we have to live that out. And so that's what I mean. Like through him, with him, and in him, my life has to be drawn into the cross. It has to be transformed. I have to allow Jesus to do that work and the Holy Spirit to do that work inside of me. Um, and I think I think that's massively important. And I think, you know, one of the things that helps me so much is when I understand that what Jesus is doing on the cross is not just because showing me he loves me. I know that. Right. And, like, I need to hear that over and over again. But but Christians, we need to hear this, like, and I'm so emphatic about this right now. God is making all things right on the cross. So let me ask this. I, I'm going to quiz you a little bit.
1: Oh, gosh. I know Here we go. This is your
0: favorite game. I'll no, make some easy is, questions.
1: No, even worse no, this when you say that and I don't get so it. Th-
0: this this is easy. So, So what day of the week is Jesus crucified on?
1: Uh, it would be a Friday
0: Yes So It's on a Friday yes.
1: Right And then he Alright guys Have a good week We'll see you later
0: <laughs> Mic drop Yeah <laughs> See ya What was the Seinfeld <laughs> Do you ever see that Seinfeld Where George like When people would laugh He was like He'd like Leave on a high note
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: Yeah Maybe he told something And people laughed He was like He was like That's it and i got go. out of here Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, yeah. <laughs> Totally So Jesus dies on a Friday And then he rises from the dead On a Sunday. Sunday, right? And in between, he's dead on Holy Saturday. And and here's what I think is a great theme for us today. And something, I don't know about, about if this will help you, Patrick, or any of you guys out there, but this helps me immensely. Is it trying to live the Christian life? I think what can happen sometimes is we feel like, okay, Jesus died for me. He rose 2,000 years ago. And I go to church. I go to Red Rocks. I go to Lords, I go wherever. And I feel like God loves me. And then I go to the grocery store and I go pick up Jimmy's puke and I move on with life. And the Christian story actually is much more than that. The Christian story is that God is making all of the world new. There's a new creation. And I really think to understand Holy Week, you have to understand this. If you want to understand why is that man on the cross, why is he there? If you want to understand that, you have to understand that God is remaking the world. He's not just paying the price for your sins. He's not just showing you that he loves you. He is renewing creation. Um, So how do we understand that? So, um, so Jesus, right? He rises on a Sunday. So in the Jewish creation story, what day does God begin the creation story? Monday. No. Dang it. It's a Sunday. Ah. It's a so, so Sunday is the first day of the week, right? That's right. And so what we use, but I understand why you think that that's almost everyone answers that way. Because, and I think the reason we think that is because we we oftentimes think the seventh day is Sunday because it's like for us, it's the day of rest. Right. But for Jews, the day of rest is Saturday. Saturday. Right? That's right. right. Um, and so Jews, right, what they do. And there's just a couple of really cool things here that I think, you know, can help you guys with Holy Week. So uh, God rests on Saturday in the creation story. But for Jews... Saturday doesn't begin like we think of Saturday beginning, right? My Saturday begins when I wake up right on Saturday morning. But for a Jew, Saturday begins at sundown on a
1: Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. And so, in the creation story, Jesus he dies at three o'clock. Or not the creation story in the in the story in the new creation story in the story of the cross, Jesus dies at three o'clock. But it's going into Sabbath. Yep. And so. God really, he, in the creation story in Genesis one, he finishes his work on a Friday. And in John 19, just before Jesus dies, he says, it is finished. And one of the things that a lot of scripture scholars will talk about, Jesus here is not just saying, my life's over. Jesus is recreating the world. And so he's finishing his work of recreation. Now, ultimately, there the, the new age, the new creation is gonna happen on Sunday, where Jesus rises from the dead on the first day of the week in a garden, which should make us think of the Garden of Eden. Um But Jesus is recreating the world, He's making all things new. And one more point on this, and I'll throw it back to you. But the um also, this is just my theory, but it's actually not just my theory. There's a number of scripture scholars who think this is you have the good thief on the cross, right? <clears throat> and Jesus is between these two thieves. Yep. And so, so here in Romans eight, Paul is saying um, that Christ is dealing with sin in, in the flesh. God condemns sin in the flesh in Jesus, uh, and He's bringing about this new creation. He's dealing with the problem of the world, which is sin, and He's going to make things new. And on the cross, so He talks to the good thief. And you remember Do you I have too many questions? But do you remember what he says to the good thief?
1: I know he forgives him, right? Yeah,
0: yeah he You gotta hear what he says. Right? And we, we sang it this Sunday where um, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right. And Jesus said to him, he says, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. And, you know, traditionally in church history, <clears throat> people take this to mean his sins are forgiven, he's going to heaven. And it might mean that. That might be right. But I think when you actually understand that Jesus is remaking the world, paradise is the Garden of Eden. And Jesus on the, on the cross, which is the new tree of life, he's recreating the world. Um, so there's so much here. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the temple veil splitting in two and how God is recreating a world where we, we are of access to God. Jesus is doing that. the the, the place that, where the temple curtain t- tears from top to bottom. Um, but I think for me, one of the things I just want to get to today, this gives me motivation to be a better Christian. Is that I'm like, it's not just like, okay, Jesus loved me, right? And let's go get our latte, <laughs> right? It's like it's like this is that was the beginning where God is is making the world new. Um, and I think for us out in the world, it's like. Now our job is like, we're a part of that. And we get to be part of this new creation where God's good world is restored to holiness and to uh, kind of a world where justice and where God reigns. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, no, it definitely does. I I think it's just, it, it's such, it's so deep, right? Like, and more so than what I think anyone could ever imagine, yeah. which is so which kind of makes it just tough as you're starting to read scripture and start to try to understand it because ultimately it's so easy to latch onto and just hold on to hope with God died for me on the cross or for my sins have been forgiven. And, you know, we're going to heaven type scenario, but it is, um, you know, trying to try to refocus your brain to all of a sudden think like, man, like reliving that time with Jesus every year like imperative.
0: Yeah. Well, and also I think like kind of that point of, um, Jesus died and when he, like it turns earth into this like waiting room. Yeah. Do you ever think that? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I totally like, it doesn't make much sense. You're kind of like, okay, if God really loves me and the whole point is just, you know, I'm waiting to go to heaven. It's kind of like, what's the point? Right. Like, why doesn't he just take me to heaven now? Totally. And I think one of and why
1: why do we struggle? Like even when Jesus says, "Like why have you forsaken me?" Like why do we struggle? If we're just kind of like in this game, almost of you know, in this daily struggle, and this you're in and out of this tug of war of you're on fire for your faith, and all of a sudden life gets in the way, and all that stuff, and and you're in this waiting room. Why? Why? What are we doing?
0: Yeah, right. I think that's a great question, and this is what the this is why we've misunderstood all this stuff, is that. And I I don't want to blame Protestants for this because it goes back way before them. Yeah. But when the Protestant Reformation happened, they've leaned heavily into this. The Christianity is about going to heaven. And there's a truth to that. But really, biblically, and and if you go to Lords, you've heard me talk about this. I feel like this is one of my, like, there's that old line of, like... Every preacher really only has one sermon,
1: <laughs> and it all points back to one it thing. It kind of does, yeah. you know. And
0: yeah. I, I kind of feel that way sometimes. I'm like, I really have one line, guys, and like this is, kind of, and it all kind of comes back to things like this. But one of the things I love talking to people about is that in the Bible, it's not so much us who go to heaven; it's heaven that comes to earth.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right. And so what's so the the big example of this is the Our Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, come that will be done on earth, right? Yep. And what, what we've done is we've reversed that. Totally. And this is this is NT Wright. I'm channeling NT Wright right now. This is one of his big things that he wants people to, to really grasp and come back to. And this makes sense of it. If all of a sudden, it's not just like, okay, Jesus died for me 2,000 years ago. He loves me. And now we're just all kind of hanging out and like... So, uh,
1: (laughs) life is good. No worries. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Big gulps, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, but the story of Christianity is not a story of God rescuing us out of creation. It's a story of God redeeming creation from the inside out. God creates the world good and we're not just waiting to escape it. God, God has us here, the church on earth. We have a mission. We have a mission to to participate with Jesus in the transformation of the world. And I, I don't know about you, but like that just motivates me. I'm like, I'm not just hanging around, like hoping my life gets a little easier. Right. My calendar kind of empties out a little bit more, but actually like the new creation has begun. That sun the new Sunday, the Easter Sunday where God recreated the world. Now the church has this job of being part of that transformation to help set things right. gosh. Oh it's heavy it is heavy
1: I think it it's just so interesting um and something that's on my mind recently I saw a, a post that was trying to justify um, the kind of trans movement
0: mm-hmm. and it and
1: it had this that's like everywhere right now yeah, it's everywhere and this one kind of really struck a chord with me because it and I could find it but it, it basically it's like, man, I don't want to derail this conversation, but the post is basically like, how can someone, t- how can the Catholic church, um, tell me I can't live my life when they've, you know, been right. rapist and blah, blah, blah. And we're, guilty, blah, of blah, blah. And we're sure. guilty of all these things. Yeah, and absolutely. sure. Like it, it was so crushing. Cause it's like, someone reads it and it's on the surface. Yeah. It makes sense. You just want to totally throw out the Catholic church. Cause you're like, yeah, but, but, there's a total, like, error lo- in logic in that entire argument, yeah. but that's not, you know, <laughs> it just kind of points out that, like, as you're saying, like, it motivates you to be such a better Christian, and, and we're trying to do all these things, but how much of a setback it was when the church throughout history has done things, when it's not acting in that likeness through him, with him, and in him, yeah, 24-7. Yep. Yeah. As good as it does, one setback is a real game changer. Yeah. <laughs> Perceptually, um, so it is that daily journey of understanding what God did and why he did it yeah. to try to fight those temptations. Yeah, and
0: like and like what Paul's going to do in the New Testament, <clears throat> all over the place. But if, you, if you're looking for a place for this, Colossians chapters 2 and 3 is magnificent in this. So going that line in Romans 8... God has done what the law we can the flesh could not do sending his son as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So in Jesus's, Jesus never committed sin, but he drew sin into himself and it was, con- and he nailed it to the cross. And Paul will use that language in Colossians too. Um, but what's supposed to happen then is through him with him in him, that's supposed to be lived out in me. Right. So in my life, sin is supposed to be condemned. And so it's supposed to be cast out. Yep. Right. And and like when people make these posts about, you know, who is the Catholic church telling tell me this? It's like, well, there's a valid point that person has, right? Like Correct. shame, shame on us. That's right. Amen. And like, believe me, I have felt this with, with the church as well of like, when you encounter people who are really scrupulous and uptight about stuff and I'm like, guys, we, can we like, just get some basics of the Christian life down before like we're really uptight about X, Y, and Z. But the analogy I think here is there's this guy when I was in seminary, uh, I don't think he'll be listening to this. He's not a priest, but, and you know, it's a good story, but there's a guy, Joe Thummel, and he was studying for priesthood for Oklahoma. Great guy. Built the kind of like a refrigerator. He was, he was a big boy. (laughs) Yeah. And he not, and not like in the way you are, like he was not fit, like you're fit. Um, There's your bone. Thanks, man. There's your bone for the day. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. No, I've I've seen some improvement. That's good. I'm proud of you. Um, But he, like, I remember being at lunch one time. And I was when I was in seminary, before I put on the priestly 30, you know. (laughs) The (laughs)
1: inevitable slide.
0: The inevitable slide. It's so funny. Like, I look so different now. I was 30 pounds lighter in seminary. It is. You've seen photos. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You look like a straight, like, cross-country athlete. Yeah. Which you were. Like it's well you were running all the time. I
0: was running. Yeah. I wasn't a great athlete. But anyway. But so but I was known as the runner in the seminary. And a so Joe Thummel, um, he used to criticize the way I ate. Would be a lunch, and he'd be like, You can't eat that. He's like, That's not healthy. And I'm like and I always want to say like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> nice glass house you're dude, living you're in. You're like yeah, right. dude, you're like you're like, you know, <laughs> deuce and a half, maybe three hundred. Yeah. Like and not muscle. Like yeah, you know, yeah. but that doesn't mean he was wrong. Correct. And I think that's the Catholic response is like, you know, once people say, how dare the Catholic church do this? Well, we maybe did lose our moral authority, but that doesn't mean we're wrong.
1: The teaching's not wrong. Exactly. Like so if the a guy, teachers were wrong. Yeah. For
0: sure. Exactly. <clears throat> and that's it's just a simple distinction. You yeah. Know? yeah. If, if a guy who's really out of shape gives me sound fitness advice, the problem isn't the sound fitness advice. Right.
1: That's right. And so do do as I say, not as I do.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, and obviously that's a problem in the church and we need to fix that. But, um,
1: okay. So going, but going back then, um, and looking at the whole lead up and everything that's going into it, like even starting, like, why does the church take Palm Sunday and, Mm. and some of those things that are leading up to it, you know, like Jesus started out with kind of a great week. Things were going good. <laughs> yeah, and then right? all of a sudden yeah. things escalate quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, and he goes into the he goes into Jerusalem, and there's there's a lot of different things about this, but a lot of scholars think that his the crowd that's acclaiming him are not the people of Jerusalem. They're the they're the different Jesus, right, in his ministry, he's multiplying the the loaves and the fish, and he's healing the sick, and there's a crowd that's following him, and they acclaim him the Messiah. Got it. So Palm Sunday, he comes in on the Mount of Olives. Right. And th- this is the crowd that's like, oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. And actually it's funny in the Greek, when Jesus enters in Matthew's gospel, for instance, we use the word seismos, which is the word for an earthquake. Whoa. And it's like the city like erupts because the Messiah is here, the King. And they've been waiting for him, but there's, there's different groups, right? So like. Jesus is going to be acclaimed by his his disciples and followers and the crowds. But those who have power in Jerusalem, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're going to be threatened by him. Um, and the, the when he goes to the temple and Jesus is going to assert his authority over the temple, that's what he, he does when he's in the temple. That's a big claim. And he's going to tick some people off with that. Yeah. So. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening. Um, But the church, right? Like I think Christ wants to draw us into himself. And I think for us during Holy Week, right? Like how do you do that? I mean, I think it's, you go to mass, you try to enter into it. You have some more silence Holy Week than you would normally have. Turn off your TV, turn off your radio, um, spend more time in prayer. uh, but, But really have that mindset of like, this isn't just something that happened in the past yeah this is something that i'm I'm called to sacramentally and mystically be drawn into
1: with the purpose of trying to become a, like to really help you focus i don't know I guess i just i truly find it fascinating that uh, it just is so often overlooked, and again Easter kind of just gets watered down, yeah. Yet, you know, and it only lasts for five minutes and then you get the brunch and then you're back in your normal ways. So how do you start to interrupt that? Which I'm starting to kind of see that with like when we did our podcast on um, Christmas and the lead up with that. and, And how often the church tries to get you on purpose to slow down, which is fascinating, too, of like. That's different, I feel, and why I appreciate the mass so much now compared to, you know, a service, a Protestant service where you may be, and this isn't a beat up on any of that stuff. I think they have great messages, all the above. But there's something to be said of, you know, I could go to a mass a thousand years ago, and it's the same, or I can go to a mass in Italy tomorrow. Yeah. And the language is different, fine, but it's still the right. same scenario. And we have our, you know, three years that we rotate, And how we're doing it but it's always that constant interruption to let God break through again and Easter is no I mean it's absolutely no different and is very intentional in that fact yeah do you think um, going into that Palm Sunday or any of that kind of stuff did Jesus know like did he know he's like okay on Thursday things are gonna really escalate he did
0: he knows and you know that's a matter some people in the modern world they want to discredit that, but the Gospels really show us Jesus knew what he was doing. Yeah, um, he's uh, he fully knows. Like one, one hint of this, for instance, like in John chapter six when Jesus teaches on the Eucharist, the Bread of Life discourse. At the end of that section, um, some people no longer they don't follow Jesus anymore, and they, and John hints it's because they don't believe in the true presence in the Eucharist. And there's this interesting kind of commentary John gives, and it says, For Jesus knew um, from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was that would betray him.
1: So he right, knew from right. the
0: beginning. And by the way, when does Judas leave to betray Christ?
1: At the Last Supper? Yeah.
0: Yep. And in John 6, it hints that it's because of the Eucharist. It says he knew those who... Did not believe, and who it was would betray him, and it's in the context of a teaching on the Eucharist, which is really interesting that that happens at the Last Supper.
1: Do we know when Jesus starts to kind of understand his fate, like understand, like was he born? He's like, oh, this is it. 30, 33 years from now, this is going to play out this way? Yeah. Or was it, like, at age 15, or was it the first time yeah. in the temple? would like, it be interesting to talk to him about that? Yeah, like, uh, you know, <laughs> when did you wake up and be like, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. How did he know?
0: Yeah, Jesus is kind of like the sad kid on the playground. <laughs> yeah. Like- this isn't going to go well, guys. <laughs>
1: you guys are sitting here thinking of your waiting room for heaven. Yeah. Look at my waiting room. Yeah.
0: And yeah, a little, the little like Jewish boys are like, I'm going to be a rabbi. That's right. Like I'm going to you know, be a fisherman. And Jesus is like, I'm going to get crucified. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I hope that wasn't blasphemous or no, fact, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Jesus does know. So the church really has defined this as like the weird thing though, is that it's, it, this is like almost impossible for us to wrap our minds around and I think it probably is impossible. But Jesus has two natures. He has a human intellect and he has a divine intellect. So you and I when I know something, I only have one intellect. I either know it or I don't know it. Jesus has two intellects. And so he he has a divine intellect where he knows everything. He knows he knows how many hairs are on my head.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He
0: knows what's going to happen in my life tomorrow. He knows everything. Um, and he always has from all of eternity. But when he became a man, he, he took, he united to him, his person, a human nature. So then he took on a human intellect that does not know everything. And so the, somehow those two things were united in him, which is like, you could like make fun of it. And it's like, I don't know, there, there's things you could say that'd be funny about it. But this is when, when Jesus says things like, um, like in Mark 13, he says he doesn't know when the end of the world is. And you're like, wait, aren't you God? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you don't know when the end of the world is? Or in, in Luke's gospel or Matthew's, Jesus, it's in Luke's gospel, Jesus goes home and he says he grew in knowledge and wisdom and favor before God and men. How does, how does an eternal being, we're kind of all over the board today. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we're like... But anyway, but how does an eternal being grow in knowledge? Right. That would mean, right. That he already mean, knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way for an eternal being to, to grow in knowledge. And so the church, as she worked out her theology over the centuries, and we believe the Holy spirit guided this, the church came to a place to understand that Jesus has two intellects and two wills. And so like his will, for instance, you can see in Gethsemane when he's <clears throat> praying to God, like Jesus has the same will as God, the father, a perfectly divine will. They don't have, they don't see things differently. Um, But in Gethsemane, Jesus can pray, father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Yep. But not as I will, as you will. And so Jesus, and it's kind of cool because what happens then is that that shows us that my human intellect, I don't know everything, My intellect is is not perfect, and my human will is very weak. But then in Jesus, those things were united. And so they're not the exact same thing, but they're united. And so that gives us confidence. Pope Benedict talks about this, that in my life, like, I have a human intellect. I have a human will. But Jesus has shown us that those things can be united to a divine person. It's pretty cool. Wow. Um, we should probably wrap things up.
1: I think we'll, we'll probably have to carry this on. Like I would love to dive still more. You know. We
0: just literally today, if you're like reeling in your car, <laughs> we're like, we just kind of like scratched the surface on like six of the top deepest. That's topics right. In, totally. In, in the world. <laughs> like, hey, you know, let's just, let's bring it one. Why do we talk about like the Trinity? Let's That's just right. talk about Why
1: did God create earth again? I, yeah. Let's just dive into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. How
0: does, how does the perfect interaction in Jesus's humanity and divinity work? Like, we kind of did that to you today, so if your head hurts, I blame Patrick.
1: That's right. Yes. I will take all the blame on that one. Because, But, yeah, I mean, there's just so many ways to... Branches that things lead off into, um, kind of in the question realm. But um, we'll have to see what we come back with next week.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we need to get it... I'm actually really starting to think we need to get, like, a... Um, I don't know if we can do... We can't really do a collar line, but I'm like, I would love to get Collins. a way of people, like... Yeah, like sending their questions, and we answer them during the podcast. I've yeah. done things sometime, So
1: We should do a uh, Open Mic Friday questions. Open
0: Mic Friday. We'll
1: do that. Maybe once a month. Maybe yeah. once a month we'll do an Open Mic Friday. All
0: right, everybody. Thanks so much. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Help spread the word. Help get this out there. We hope it helps people in their faith to know Jesus Christ, who is the... John Paul has a great line. He says... JP2 has a line where he says... Jesus Christ is the answer to the question, which is every human life. And love that. Your life is a question, so is mine, and the answer is Jesus. And so we hope we can help people find that answer um, and find divine life in him. So have a great week. God bless you all. Enjoy your holy week, um, and we will see you next time.
1: God bless.